We're going to get started here. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Be ready. Be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks the reason of your hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, we, there's a lot of questions that people have, not only um, unbelievers, but believers. They, they have questions. And uh, we're going through this series answering these big questions. So far, we've covered, um, is, last week was a big one. And I think it was a revelation for a, a lot of people. And I think it brings a lot of freedom. Last week, we discussed, is God judging the world for sin? And if you want to know your heart, the heart of God on judgment, um, go and read the book of Jonah. That was, that's a perfect contrast between the heart of man-made religion and the heart of God. It's, a, it's an awesome story, and uh, read it. It's not, that, it's not that long of a book. It's a little longer than Jude, but uh, it's, uh, it's not that long. But today, we're covering the question, are we under the curse? And you might be thinking, Chad, I know this. We're not under the curse. Oh, don't get so quick to say that you got this one answered because a lot of people might say that, no, we're not under the curse, but they live their life thinking that they're under a curse. And they're in Christian circles, you know, we talk about religion a lot, and we talk about works. And a lot of that... um, People, when we talk about religion, a lot of people think of denominational type acts of worship and stuff like that, rituals, routines, things that you have to do to earn salvation. But we charismatics, we are a charismatic church. I mean, that's charis is part of the word charisma. And uh, we charismatics, we got our own little works that we like to do, works of the flesh. And curses are one of those things that we like to work in our own effort to get rid of. See, many people in the body of Christ are in bondage because of their faith in curses. In their faith in curses. The Apostle Paul was in the book of Acts was, was on a missionary trip and he came to a place, and he was looking at all the idols and stuff, and he told them, I see that you are very superstitious. And in the Greek, that literally means, I see that you fear demons. Christians are very superstitious. We think that I might be cursed because my Dad went to an ACDC concert back in the 70s. Or my parents were at Woodstock. We're very superstitious. They believe that there are curses on this and curses on that, and that we're under a generational curse. We'll talk about that more later. Have you ever heard that? Generational curses that need to be broken, need to, need to be worked through and worked out. And See, this is why it's so important to understand what we've been rescued from. 
what we have been redeemed from. But there's a bigger question. There's a bigger issue. Because people use this idea of curses for an excuse for their bad behavior. I'm Irish. It's the curse of the Irish. We're just angry people. I don't know. My, my parents, my family, we've always been poor. We've just always been poor. My dad died before he was 60. His dad died before he was 60. And his dad died before he was 60. That's just the way it is in our house. We have faith in curses. And we make excuses. I don't know why I'm this way. I've always been this way. There's just something in me. There's just, there's just, it's like my life is always in chaos. It's always in tragedy. There's always something going on. It's like something, it's like there's outside forces against me. I don't know why I act the way I do. I was just born this way. We use this idea of curses. We use this idea of outside forces controlling, manipulating our lives as a reason for why we are the way that we are. I got some news for you this morning. You're not going to like this because we're going to be concentrating on the flesh quite a bit today. And unfortunately, we are not delivered from our bad actions and choices. But we have been delivered from the power of sin. So where did curses start from? Where, where do we get this idea of curses? Well, curse entered the world through sin. Sin brings a curse. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, it says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than all the beasts of the field. So the devil can't be too smart if he's, he's lower than the cattle. His cattle, cows aren't too smart. Right? They chew their cud and stand around in the pasture. So the devil's not too smart. On your belly you will go. So I just like this stuff, reading this stuff, because I actually think when I read the Bible, I, not do, I don't do it just because you're supposed to do it. Get my 30 minutes in for the day and off to watch TV. What's that saying right there? Apparently the serpent wasn't always on its belly. Right? I think that's interesting. And you're going to see as we go through this that animals, the relationship that man had with animals have changed because of sin. You know, I find it interesting that Adam and Eve weren't shocked when the serpent spoke to them. And, and you know, years later, when Balaam, when the donkey opened his mouth, he wasn't too surprised either. I, thought that, I, I just think that's weird. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. I don't believe he literally ate dust. I believe that's where he lives. 
And in verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Not seeds, plural, but seed, singular. This is the messianic prophecy of Jesus Christ. Women don't have seeds. They have eggs. Except for one woman. She received the seed of the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. Do you see that the pain in childbirth is under this curse? Have you been redeemed from the curse? What, what imagery do we have from the world about childbirth? That it's hell on earth, right? That it's going to be painful, it's going to be terrible, all of these things. Well, if you've been delivered from the curse, can you have faith for an easy childbirth? Can you have faith that you don't have to be screaming through the whole thing? Amanda had four kids. They didn't look too easy, but <laughs> but, it, but we didn't have any problems. They were all natural. She, she wasn't screaming where they could hear her down the hallway or anything like that. But we were believing, weren't we? We were believing for easy childbirth. It says, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Do you know men ruling over women is part of the curse? In most cultures of the world, that's the way it is. Women are seen as, as uh, property because of sin. Because of sin. But Jesus has liberated. He started the woman's liberation. That's not the way it was meant to be. And what does the Bible say that we are in Christ? It says there's neither Jew, there's neither Gentile. There's neither slave or free. There is neither male or female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Then, Adam said, then, then to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you eat of it all the days of your life. But thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat the bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I, th I think it's interesting here that there was a place called Eden. There was a place, the garden, it was called paradise, and then there was the field. They lived in Eden, and they ate the fruit of Eden. But because of the curse, they were going to have to eat the plants of the field. That's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting that we weren't ever designed to eat the plants of the field. We were to eat the fruit of Eden. And we see that because of sin, it progresses, and it moves from not only eating this the plants of the field, but it moves to eating the animals themselves because of sin. 
I wonder what that fruit tasted like in, in the garden. But the ground is cursed. You need to have faith when you eat. You have to have faith in Jesus when you eat. I don't care if it's organic. I don't care what it is. You better have faith when you eat. That's why we pray before we eat. You don't pray as a religious routine. You pray over your food because you got to eat it. Right? Some, some people pray just for a religious routine. There's no faith in it at all. It'd be better for you not to pray at all. See, the original sin is, the, is caused the original curse. This was not God's plan for humanity, but this was a choice that humanity made for themselves. And from this curse, the entire world fell under a veil of darkness. Sin leads to men living separate from God spiritually. We see that right off the, off the bat. When Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't run to God, they ran from God. But God came looking for them. Sin leads men to living separately. Sin has changed the world. It, has, it, 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 it got to the point where it caused the destruction of the world through the flood. We, if you go back to the earlier questions that we answered, and I can't go through all that again, but the world that we now live on is not the world that God created. That world was destroyed. That world was destroyed. And we're living on what remains. And it says in Romans that the world is still under travailing like labor pains, that, the, that it's under the burden of sin and one day will be redeemed like the children of God. And after the flood, Noah was told by God to start eating the animals. Why? Because things have changed like once again. That Sphere of water that covered the earth, that kept out the UV rays and, and kept the whole world into one natural, beautiful climate, had burst and came to the, to the earth. Now there are seasons. He told Noah that there's seed time now and that there's harvest time. There's cold, there's heat, there's day and night. I can't go through all that again. But And in Genesis chapter 9, verse 2, it says, the fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are given. Do you know animals did not fear man before this, before the flood? Animals did not fear man. And man didn't eat animals. This is when everything changed. And it says, every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give it all to you as I have gave the green plant. So here now, God's telling Noah that you need to eat animals because things aren't going to grow the way that they used to before the flood. Things are, gonna, are different now than before the flood. And the animals now fear man. This is what sin does. This is what the curse has done. 
We, we're not even living close to, the, to what God intended. Well, thank God it, a day is coming where all things are being made new, right? Amen. Man's relationship, not only with the earth, but also with the animals, drastically changed. Then we had the covenant of Abraham. And in that covenant of Abraham, we had curses and blessing, right? God came in a covenant with Abraham because through Abraham, that seed of the woman was going to come. And he made a covenant with Abraham and said, I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. Why? Because he loved Abraham more than everybody else? No, because he wanted a lineage for the salvation of the world to come through, and he had to protect that lineage. And then we see the law introduced through Moses, and we see that there was curses under the law. And it was basically do good, get good, do bad, get bad, or get beat, right? And they were cursed by their works, by their actions, by their ability to keep the law. And when man came in to covenant with God through the law, they all said with one accord that we will do as you have said. They came into agreement. They, man chose to put themselves under the law. And not man, Israel did. Israel chose to put themselves under the law. And by putting themselves in that covenant, they obligated themselves to keep that covenant, but not only that, they obligated God to keep his side of the covenant. And when they obligated God to keep his side of the covenant, when they did bad and didn't keep up their end of the covenant, he had to curse them. So now you have two curses in the, in the world. You had the, the curse of um, Abraham. For those that come against Israel, they were going to be cursed by God. And then you have the curse of the law, which if you're not keeping up your end of, the, end of the covenant, then Israel got cursed. So when Israel was doing good and the, and the nations were coming against Israel, the other nations were cursed. When Israel was doing bad, then they went into bondage and was taken into captivity through the curse of the law. I mean, this, this should open up your mind so much to understand the Old Testament. Why God did the things that he did. It's not because he's some bloodthirsty God. It's because there's covenants in the, in the earth. And all the covenants for, for one purpose, one purpose only, to protect the lineage so that all the worlds, all the nations of the worlds, all the families of the worlds could be blessed through Abraham. That's awesome. But then we fast forward to Jesus who becomes the curse takes it upon himself on the cross, and we are delivered. But is that deliverance automatic, or is there something required of us? It's by grace through faith. Let's get some answers on that. In Romans chapter 6, knowing this, you know this this morning. These guys knew it. But I think a lot of Christians don't know it. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I seen something on Facebook. It was a question that uh, 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 
worldwide ministry put on there. It says, do we still have a sin nature? And it shocked me. It shocked me to see how many Christians said, absolutely, absolutely we have a sin nature. What, they they got to read Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified in him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We're no longer under the curse, but we use our bad actions. We use the curse as an excuse for our bad actions. We have been delivered from the body of sin, that we should no longer be slaves, or as the King James Version says, serve sin. I kind of like the way the King James says it. You are serving sin rather than serving God. It does not say that we could not, but that we should no longer. As a Christian, you could serve sin with your body. You could be a, choose to be a slave to sin with your body, but you shouldn't because you've been freed. Sin was your nature pre-Christ. You had no choice in the matter. You were moved by your flesh. In your old man, you were moved by your flesh. And you're thinking, well, some people I know aren't Christians, and they're not that bad of people. Right. On the outside, they're not that bad. Why? Because they live in fear. They live in the fear of the law. Not, not the law of God, but man's law. There's a lot of people that are still married today, not because they, they, they love their wife and their, and their, or their husband and serving them out of love, but because they're afraid of losing half of everything that they've acquired. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference of not stealing something because you're afraid of going to jail, then that's not mine, and it's not right to take it. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference of not coveting, and we can, the list can go on. There's a lot of things that people do because they want to keep up their self-image. They want to keep, they, they're afraid of the law. They, they, they're fear of the consequences, but they are still a sinner by nature, they were born a sinner. That's why you need to be born again. But in Christ, you've been born again. You're a new creation, and you're no longer a slave to sin. But you can still sin. Have you ever sinned since you've been a Christian? Well, you just sinned. You lied. Yeah. Yeah, you still can sin. But that's not who you are. Do you understand that? And as we renew our minds, as we trust in God, as we put our faith in God and walk in the spirit and not the flesh, you will see that you'll stop sinning. See, you're no longer a slave to sin, but you have to choose to walk in the spirit. When you sin, that was your choice. You choose to sin, and people don't like that. 
They like the idea that I have to sin. There's nothing I can do about it. The reason you do those things that in your heart you don't you hate is because you choose to. The flesh is dictating over the spirit. You are a slave to sin. You are putting yourself back under sin. Let's look at verse 16. Do you not know that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. When we yield ourselves, when we yield ourselves before being born again, you had no choice. You didn't have a choice. Your flesh ruled and reigned over your life. You could strive in the works of the flesh. You could strive through religious routine. How many has remember doing that? Trying to be good. Trying to do enough. Trying to earn God's approval. You could try through the flesh to keep some religious laws. And that in itself is a work of the flesh. The children of God either yield to the spirit or they yield to the flesh. It's your choice. So we need a revelation. We need a revelation of who we are in our identity in Christ Jesus. We have to have a revelation that so many Christians do not realize that they're free from sin. They're free from sin. You don't have to sin anymore. So when you have all these problems in your life and you say, I I thought I was delivered, Chad. You know, you hear a preacher talking about the deliverance of Christ. We've been redeemed from sin. We've been redeemed from, from the law. We've been redeemed from sickness. We've been redeemed from poverty. We've been redeemed from all these things. And, and when those things aren't working in your life, we say, I thought we were redeemed from these things. I thought that is true. We were redeemed from those things. But who are you yielding to? Are you yielding to the flesh or are you li- yielding to the spirit? Who are you serving? Who are you submitting yourself to? Who is your Lord? See, it's one thing to call Jesus my Savior. It's another thing to call him my Lord. In Romans chapter 7, verse 6, it says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We have been delivered from the law. Not that we were ever under the law. As Gentiles, we were never under the law. But Paul had to, was writing to um, Gentiles. He was writing to Jews at the same time. And, and because of Judaizers out there that would say, you know, believing in Jesus is good. That's fine. Believe in Jesus, but you still need to get circumcised. You still need to obey the Sabbath. You still need to do these feasts and all these different things. They add to the work of Jesus, and they turn it into a work. Here it says, we have been delivered from the law. You've been delivered from the law so that we can serve God in the Spirit. We have been delivered from the law 
And we were never under the law in the first place. But we were delivered from the curse of the law. But we need to choose to serve in the newness of spirit. See, there's a lot of people that put themselves under the law. And when they, when they fall short of the law and bad things happen in their life, they think it's a curse from God. No, it's because you sinned. God's not cursing you. You sinned. And the wages of sin is what? Death. The things that happen in your life, people that think that God's cursing them. No. Look in the Old Testament. If you want to see when God's curse comes down on a nation, it's biblical. You know, your car breaking down is not the curse of God. That's you just not doing maintenance on it. But we've been delivered from the law. But you can choose. But you can choose to continue in legalism. You can continue to, to live in the flesh if you want to. You've been delivered by the law from the law, but there are Christians that have been delivered by the law that choose legalism over a life of the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, it says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin. You ready? The strength of sin is Hollywood. No, it's not Hollywood. The strength of sin is the internet. The strength of sin is false religions. The strength of sin is the media. The strength of sin, no, the strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin is the law. So if you serve the law, you are empowering sin in your life. It's not that the law is sinful, but a life lived under the law rather than in the spirit will lead to sin being strengthened in your life. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 10, it says, For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. So how do you put yourself under a curse? You put yourself under the works of the law. For as many are, are the works of the law, are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith, yet the law is not of faith. That's interesting, isn't it? The just shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. So if you're serving God by trying to keep the law, you are not of faith. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them, does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. One aspect of the curse of the law is that you can't keep it. That's a curse in itself, that God put a law together that he knew that man couldn't keep. Why would God do that? To bring us to our knees, to eliminate human pride, to get, to get us stop, to stop going to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and start groping for the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ. To cry out to God for 
to be our Savior. So not only have we been delivered from the curse of the fallen nature, but you've also been redeemed from the curse of the law. So whenever someone tries to say, God's doing this to you because you did this and this and this, they don't understand the gospel. We have been redeemed from our old nature, our own sinful nature, and we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. But you have to choose who you will serve. You can put yourself back under the law. You can put yourself back under your old carnal nature and let your flesh dictate and have control over your life, or you can serve God in the newness of the Spirit. So when people say, if I'm, del- if I'm delivered from all of this, then why am I still having all these problems? Jesus made the deliverance possible, but you need to maneuver your life ar- around and start thinking differently, acting differently, and doing things differently. You have a role to play. You have free will. God will never take your free will away from you. What is true spiritually may not be true practically because we have not taken time to apply that truth to our life. So when you see a truth in the Word of God and you don't see it being manifest in your life, you ask yourself, how am I applying that truth to my life? Generational curses. How about those? We have all these ideas that, that charismatics do. There's whole ministries, there's whole books out there about this type of stuff. That you do the things that you do because there's a generational curse on your family. And, we, and what they do is they take you down, sit you down and you go through all your family's past. You know, that maybe you, you, you used to live, your house was built on an Indian graveyard or something. And... And because of that, now you're being haunted and you're being cursed in this, this world. We use it for excuse for um, addictions, all types of things. And they go back and they, in, 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 in your genealogy and try to find a reason for the way that you are the way that you are. Well, I got news for you. You can go all the way back. You can go all the way back to the garden. You can go to Adam and you can find out why you're the way that you are. And then they practice some Christian voodoo on you. You say the right words. You repent of a bunch of stuff that you never did, but your ancestors did. (laughs) And somehow you're going to be delivered. That's all works. That's works of the flesh, wrapped up in charismatic, Holy Spirit type stuff. Where do they get this stuff from? In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 8, Nine, it says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the, wa- wa- in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, is a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of their fathers upon the, ch- the children to the third and fourth generations to those that hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those that love me and keep my commandments. Who is he writing to here? Is he writing to Gentiles? Is he writing to you and me? Is he writing to born-again Christians? No, he's writing to Jews that were under the law. And this was a proclamation to those that what? 
Hate him. Do you hate the Lord this morning? Are you a Jew under the law? Guess what? You've never had a generational curse in your life. And even if we were, we just read that we have been delivered from the curse of the law. You are not, it's going to get, has a chance for getting people upset here in a second. You are not an alcoholic because your father was an alcoholic. It's not a generational curse. You are an alcoholic because you have given over yourself over to the lust of the flesh and it has become a stronghold in your life. And we all have different strongholds in our life that we have to overcome by faith in Jesus Christ. You're not hot-tempered because that's the way it's always been in your family. It's just the way that you are. It's just a curse of our family. You're not a pervert because that's, your grandpa was a pervert. It didn't get passed down to you from grandpa. Learn behaviors, and we'll, might, we'll talk about that in a little bit. That might be, but it's not a spiritual force that's forcing you to do those things. You're not a glutton, a liar, and so the list can go on and on. The things that we allow our flesh to control us in. It has nothing to do with your parents. So stop blaming your parents. It has nothing to do with your grandparents. We need to stop making excuses for the flesh. That's the first step, is to acknowledge that I'm doing this because I want to do it. No, Chad, you don't understand. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Well, do you enjoy, enjoy it when you do it? Yeah. Well, then you, you want to do it. You enjoy sin. And you choose sin. But I don't like the consequences of it. Exactly. If there was no consequences, then you'd have no problem with the sin. It doesn't matter what your f- flavor is. We do the things we do because we choose to do the things we do. What these experiences are that people call generational curses are nothing more than the works of the flesh listed in Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. They are just manifestations of the flesh that people have given themselves over to. There are some of you here that you, you, you might be Addicted to something in your life, and you have figured, you've just said, there ain't nothing I can do about it. You're right. In your flesh, there's nothing you can do about it. But if you put your faith in the redemption of Jesus Christ and realize that you have been liberated from sin, you have been freed from sin, and you are to lord over it, and start walking in the Spirit, learn to start walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh, you're going to see things change. The gospel is the answer. It's the old man. It's old thinking. We are a product of our fallen society, culture, false religions, customs, morals, 
taught to us by our families. They're taught to us. It's learned behavior. It's not a spiritual force that's against you. We have been conformed to the image of this world through how we were taught in our families, our school, our society, our culture, and we are, and, and what, what curses, generational curses are, are just what the Bible calls strongholds in our life. That's why the media, that's why Hollywood, that's why all those things are used by the enemy. See, the, the devil doesn't have time to mess around with me and you. Those principalities and powers, they're, they're not, they don't mess around with individual people. They might be people that have given themselves over to an to a evil spirit or something like that. But the devil is playing for the big game. That's when, when we call, talked about the kingdoms of this world and, and, and the mountains and the spheres of influence in this world. The devil's working it in the school districts, in the schools. The devil's working in our government. The devil's working in media. Our devil's working in Hollywood and the sports entertainment and all that stuff. That's where we get our identity from, unfortunately. And I'm talking to Christians. When we should be getting our identity from Jesus. So these are strongholds that get built up in our life. And what's the answer? What's the answer? Preach the gospel. Jesus did not say, go into all the world and break generational curses. Matter of fact, you can't find any curses being broken in the New Testament besides what Jesus did on the cross through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says, The weapons, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What is a stronghold? Well, here it says that it's imaginations. It's a thought pattern. It's the way that you think. Imaginations are a thought pattern that you have either assumed or have been forced upon you by your family, culture, where you went to school, the region that you lived in, maybe even the color of your skin, maybe being born a male or a female. There's thought patterns and ideas and things that have been forced on you. You have adopted thought patterns, and if, if, and if they are against the things of God, they are a stronghold. Any thought pattern, any imagination that you have that is against the things of God is, is a stronghold in your life. They may be a curse in the way that they manifest in your life, but it's not a generational curse that needs to be broken. Every curse has been broken in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Metamorphous. Like a caterpillar that goes into a cocoon and metamorphoses into a butterfly. 
Do not be conformed into the image that the world has given you. Those vain imaginations that raise themselves up against the knowledge of Christ. But be transformed into who God created you to be. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not carnal. You can't do a, a religious jig to get rid of them, to fight the, fight the devil. It's not something that you do in the flesh. But it's mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We have, we have the power to take captive the very thing that had you captive. Bringing into captivity everything to the obedience of Christ. We once were captive to our carnal nature. We once were captive to these strongholds, but you in Christ Jesus have the power to take them captive. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, of his love. The son of his love. Christians don't believe the gospel. The power of darkness has no authority over you. It has no power. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. If you've been delivered from the power of darkness this morning, you have been delivered, but you can still choose to walk in darkness. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourself to, therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will free, flee from you. You can re resist those vain imaginations. You can re re resist those things that are building up strongholds in your life by submitting to God. We have been delivered from the power of darkness, but, who, but we have to enforce that deliverance. What does it mean to submit yourself? It means to become subservient and to focus upon one who is superior and in whom you are willing to obey. You have to resist the devil and submit to God. But too many Christians are resisting God in their life and submitting to the devil. And then they think God's cursing them. Then you have the curse of death. You know that we've been, that the curse of death is the root of all fear? The reason why the Apostle Paul could do what he had done is because he already seen himself dead in Christ. And there are people that fear death. And in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15, it says, He had delivered them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. There are so many people that do not live their life and do not bring out, don't carry out the call of God on their life and don't do the things in their life because they're afraid of death. They're afraid that they won't have enough finances. Well, how's that the fear of death, Chad? Because whether you know it or not, not having enough finances in your mind, subconsciously you're thinking, if I don't have enough finances, then I won't have a house. If I don't have a house, I'll be on the street. If I'm on the street, I won't have no food. If I don't have no food, I'm going to die. 
It sounds goofy, but that's the way we think subconsciously. Jesus delivered us from the fear of death, but some Christians still choose to live in that fear. If, you, if you're afraid of death, if, you're, if, if, if you have fear in your life, you need to focus on the promise of life that Jesus Christ has given us. You know, some, some people, it sounds crazy, but you go into a doctor's office and, and they get, say, well, it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. You shouldn't have fear. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the worst thing that can happen to you? You die and go to heaven. See, Christians really don't believe that they're going to heaven. <laughs> we sing, oh, what a day that will be. But then the doctor says you're going, and then all of a sudden you fall apart. You can put faith in Jesus Christ as your healer. And even if you go to heaven, that's not second place. We've already won the prize. But there's so many people that aren't living their life because of fear. We have been freed, but we have, we have to allow the truth. But they have not, we have been, they have been set free, but they have not allowed the truth to set them free. They have not been transformed through the renewing of their mind. So are you walking in your freedom this morning? See, this question is huge because you're going to run into, you're going to minister to people. You're going to have people sitting across from you in the coffee shop. You're going to have sitting people, people across from your dining room table, and they're going to say, God's doing this to me. God's doing that to me. It's just their way of saying that I'm cursed. God's cursing me. Well, the reason why I do this is, you know, great uncle so-and-so had this problem, and I think I just got, got that gene. You ever hear that? See, a born-again Christian can still submit to legalism. A born-again Christian can still be given to sin. A born-again Christian can grow cold towards God. It can be controlled by the flesh, can still walk in darkness, can still live in fear, can still let ignorance bring destruction to their life, even though they have been redeemed from all these in Christ Jesus. Our deliverance is in Christ. We must be in Christ to walk in that deliverance, that salvation, being born again. We must walk by faith. We must have the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of him. So if you've been delivered, how do you walk in that freedom? Here's a good starting point. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Verse 2, we're going to start out that. <laughs> Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God of, a, of Jesus our Lord. So grace and peace, please, is multiplied to us when? When we have the knowledge of God in, the, in Jesus our Lord. What's your knowledge of them? What's your knowledge of them? Some people, the only knowledge they have of Jesus is that he, he got me to go to heaven one day. No, the gospel is much bigger than that. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain 
to life and godliness. What's that knowledge that you have of Jesus Christ and his divine, his divine power? That power that works in you, the Ephesians says. That we can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or hope for according to the power that worketh in you. This divine power through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from corruption that is in the world through lusts. His nature, his nature has given us all things, it says, through the knowledge of him. And I said before, what is your knowledge of him? What is your knowledge of Jesus? Is he Lord of your life? Promises, the promises have been given. If you don't know the promises, how can you have faith in them? Right? If you do not know the promises of God, it's impossible to have faith in the promises of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it actually is the word Christos. God there is Christos, which means the word of Christ, which is, means is hearing the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ, hearing about Christ, hearing the gospel. Gospel brings faith. And the gospel is a revelation of the promises of God being manifested in your life through Jesus where they find their yes and their amen. So be it. We have become partakers of the abundant life. We have been delivered from the curses, but we have not been delivered from the promises, praise God. We've been delivered from the negative side of it, but we haven't been delivered from the blessing side of it. All the promises find their yes and amen in Jesus. And when we have a knowledge of Jesus Christ, when we are walking in faith, when we're allowing that, that divine power that works in us to be manifest in our life, that gives us, that gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness, we escape the corruption that is in the world. What is the corruption that's in the world? The curse. And the lust, walking in the spirit, not the flesh. When we understand our divine nature, when we understand the promises of God, when we understand that they're received by faith, and faith has a corresponding action. When you believe something, then your mind, you think differently. When you believe something, you speak differently. When you believe something, you act differently. And when your life starts lining up to that divine power that's within you, to the promises of God that are in you through Christ Jesus, when you have a perfect knowledge, when you start understanding the knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus, then Everything that pertains to life and godliness is given to us, and we have our escape from that curse that is in the world through the lusts of the flesh. The gospel is the answer to everything in your life. 
We don't have to try to work our way out of curses. We don't have to work our way out of the flesh. We don't have to discipline ourselves out of the flesh. We have to just renew our minds to who we are in Christ Jesus. Walk in the Spirit. And you guys, you guys are acting like you, you, Christians act like they don't know what it means to walk in the Spirit. Every single one of you have, have had the flesh and the Spirit collide. We're inside you, you something's saying, don't do this. Don't do this. And then your flesh says, but I want to. There's, there's so many simple things. Yesterday, yesterday, it's just simple. It's just the little things. Yesterday, I, I had to put a new uh, shower door in the shower. And then it was at the end of the day, and it was getting long, and I just wanted to be done. You ever felt that way? You just wanted to be done? And there was multiple times as I was assembling that door and putting it together, and I had to go cut something. And after you, when I went to cut it, it, was over, it would be over. And I had to run upstairs to do all this and stuff. And something just came up in me and said, go look at those instructions one more time. Because I think you got it backwards, and if you cut it, it's not going to go the right way. And my flesh said, oh, you got it. It's good enough. Yeah, you got it. You looked at it already. You know what's going on. What is that? The flesh didn't want to go back down those stairs. The flesh wanted to get it over with and done with. But my spirit was telling me something different. My spirit was giving me wisdom. It was giving me insight. You guys experience when you go into McDonald's. You're, you pull into McDonald's saying, yeah, this is fast food. Now, you know, I, this is fast food. The kids wanted to go here and stuff, but I'm going to have myself a nice salad. I'm going to have myself a nice salad. I can eat healthy at McDonald's. Then you get into the, the lobby and you walk in the lobby and you get hit with the smell, smell of those French fries. And pretty soon you got two Big Macs, a large fry, and a Diet, diet Coke. What was telling you to eat one way? Your spirit. And then when you get in there, your flesh gets tempted. And you give in to the flesh. We've all experienced that stuff. Well, I'm just going to have a little bowl of ice cream. And now the, the half of the tub's gone. But the answer is, the gospel is beautiful. The gospel is liberating. You have been set free. Everything, everything that you do not like about your life. Think right now. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but you know those, those, those secrets that we keep that we don't like about ourselves, Things that we wish we weren't the way that we were. But for some reason, the things that we don't want to do, we find ourselves doing. The things we want to do, we don't do. That's not who you are. That's just a stronghold that your flesh has created in your life. And that you are free. You are free. And even if you screw up, that doesn't change that you're free. You just get back up. Take a mulligan in Jesus Christ. 
you have been set free. Some of us have given up, and we, we've just hided it. We, we've hid it, and we just said, well, this is going to be in my life for the rest. This is how it's going to be for the rest of my life. And I'm believing by the Spirit of God, you're, you're getting a revelation that you're free and that you don't have to put up with this. And you don't have to hate yourself. You don't have to be stingy and greedy. And The list can go on and on. We, 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 know, we don't have to talk about that list because we all got our own list, right? But the revelation that we need to know is that God did all of this so that you could be set free and that you can be a manifestation of, of the Spirit of God living within the body of Christ in the earth. That we can be a mirror against society, the two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And that we might show society, show the world that the kingdom of God is such a greater place to live because there's freedom there. Amen? Amen. Next week, we're going to look at the big question about Paul's thorn in the flesh. We're going to cover Paul's thorn in the flesh. Um, if, you do, if you're in any church circles at all, you've heard people say, well, I guess I just got a thorn in the flesh, like good old Apostle Paul. And so we're going, to, we're going to look at the thorn in the flesh and get an answer on exactly what the thorn in the flesh was. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you're a good God, that you're a loving God, and that you have redeemed us from the curse. You have redeemed us from the curse of the fall. You have redeemed us from the curse of the law. Anything that, is, that we recognize or we think of as a curse in our life has been broken by the power of Jesus Christ. You have set us free, and you have put your spirit within us that we are born again, filled with the, the divine power of God. And that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask for, according to that power that works within us. So this morning, Holy Spirit, we just give you free will. Give you free will to bring to revelation the righteousness of God in our life. That we are righteous, we are holy, we have been set free. And that we will lord over sin, and sin will not lord over us. We will submit to God, and the enemy must flee. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Spirit of God is going to lead us and guide us in all truth as we apply this to our lives. And we thank you that you're not the cause of our issues, but you're the answer, and you're the freedom in Christ Jesus. We love you, we praise you, and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.